Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into another edition of Ralphie Report Radio with Jack Stern. Colorado basketball a huge win last night on their home court against the Arizona Wildcats. We'll dive into what that means. Arizona's been a huge rivalry. I'll talk about why. And their program is reeling big time now. Seven in a row, which is their biggest losing streak in 36 years. It's rare to see a program that's this elite traditionally struggle as much as they have. I'll get into the reasoning behind that, but... Looking at the more important team, obviously, the Colorado Buffaloes don't look now, but they've won five in a row heading into a road trip where they'll play Washington State and Washington. I'll talk about what that means for the team. And finally, former Buffs wide receiver, son of ex-coach Mike McIntyre, Jay, got a new job. I'll talk about where and what that means for him and his career as we follow the rest of his life. Uh, ex-Buff, one of the better wide receivers in school history. It'll be interesting to watch him and how he performs. We'll talk about all that and more on this edition of Ralphie Report Radio. But first, let's start with the huge game last night. Buffs went into it looking at a shot at redemption. And there's always been bad blood between them and Arizona. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, okay? But they got blown out. The last time they were in Tucson, where technically they've never won a game. I know a lot of you are going to look to the Sabatino-Chen game where his buzzer beater was waved off in the final seconds. And after that, it just felt like the Buffs were cursed against this team. They've never won a game at the McHale Arena. And it just seems like that that place is cursed for them. They can never go in there and have a a very good performance. And it was no different this year. And the players didn't try to sugarcoat it either. After the game, when asked about it, Lucas Seward said they might not be as good as they've been in years past, but we're not focused on that. We want to win games. And this is always a good one. It feels good. It's like the Yankees and the Red Sox. Or the Buffs in Nebraska on the football field for 
several decades. So no matter how bad Arizona is, this is a win that gives them confidence the rest of the way. And it's, it's like taking a monkey off their back because there were stints in that game where they weren't playing their best. Colorado folded a little bit, let Arizona stick around the entire game despite the fact that the Wildcats' effort was pretty much non-existent all night long. And they almost came back and took one from them. So this, this was a gratifying win from another number of different levels. But starting off with the big man, Lucas Seewert's outstanding effort last night. Previously, we hadn't really see, seen Seewert make noise in the stat sheet. He'd be making some nice hustle plays, corralling some rebounds as every big man should. But last night, he had a team high 15 points, nine boards, so one, one rebound shy of a double-double, on five of eight shooting, which is incredibly efficient, which included two three-pointers. And he shot two for five from beyond the arc, which is also pretty good. I mean, Tyler Bay didn't step up like he usually has the past few games last night, but it's okay. When a guy can pick up the slack like that, it's huge. And the ironic thing about this team it's, it's almost like they need a less than stellar performance from Tyler or McKinley for other guys to really step up and amp their game up and do things that they don't usually do. But here's what Tad Boyle had to say about Lucas Seward's effort last night after the game. You know, when I talk to the team after the game, I very rarely will single guys out. I'll talk to our team about our team. You know, I'll grab guys afterwards and... and, and give him some feedback but in front of the team I, th I thought Lucas Seward was uh, terrific tonight and he played outside of his comfort zone you know Lucas not one of those guys that you know relishes contact and, and and physicality but tonight he made some tough physical plays with the ball driving rebounding the ball with two hands getting balls outside of his area he was terrific Tad pretty much summed up Seward's performance last night perfectly and maybe seeing Arizona on the opposing bench and the mafia-style head coach that they have, Sean Miller, following his FBI probe, made him want to play like that. But he saw that no one else was really stepping up. He saw that Tyler was having an uncharacteristic game, so to speak, given his recent performance. And he, he was outstanding last night. If only we could get this team performing cohesively on a nightly basis, it's, it's amazing to see how many points, points they can score, how excellent they would be as a team, as a whole, defensively, offensively. If we could just get the best version of these guys every night, it would, it would really be amazing to see. And on that note, I think they're going to need to get something to that avail going forward. I mean, they've proven they can win games with just Tyler and McKinley turning it on. But when you play Washington... When you play one of the better schools in the conference, you really need to get everyone clicking to have a good opportunity to win. And especially if they somehow magically make a Cinderella run and go to the NCAA tournament. If they want to win a couple games, which Colorado has traditionally struggled to do. They're 1-4 in, in the Tad Boyle era in March. Madness. They're going to need to get that. But switching gears back to the meaning of that win against Arizona, it's huge. Let's, let's not downplay it. I mean, it was a less than overwhelming support base from the student section last night. It was about a quarter full, 
The crowd was not as loud as they usually are against Arizona. There was red and blue peppered all over the stands. So they clearly were not getting that type of support that they usually get in a game of this intensity, especially given where they are right now. They have a chance for a top four finish in the conference, potentially 20 wins, and an NCAA tournament berth. So this was a game with massive stakes, and uh, it's dis- just kind of disappointing that the fan base didn't see it from the same light and show up and give them their support. But looking at what's happening in Tucson with the Arizona basketball program, it is a sea of dis- dysfunction, and it's really been that way since Sean Miller has been involved in this FBI probe or whatever it's been for allegedly taking part in a scam where he knew about paying DeAndre Ayton $100,000 to come to his school. One of his assistants is still kind of in the line of blame as he faces trial in a month. But I, I, to me, this isn't like the program is definitely going to go through a rough period. I mean, in professional sports, dynasties struggle for periods of time, Okay. New England, the most recent dynasty in the NFL, was the laughingstock of the league for many years. The New York Yankees had a rough patch a few years ago and in the 1990s. So it doesn't mean the program is down and out. There's still a lot of recruits who want to go to Arizona. They understand the history of the school. They understand the basketball capability. They like Sean Miller. They understand what he can do. So no, this is not the downfall of the program definitively. But it could be the beginning of a rough period and one that could see Sean Miller getting forced out of town. And hear me out on this. That type of massive scandal creates some turmoil in the building to where people are wondering about the culture. It goes beyond beyond whether or not Sean Miller was involved. It, it, It puts a spotlight on his assistant that was, Mr. Richardson. Because recruits will think, Oh, well, if they're doing this behind closed doors and they're mishandling a situation like this, what else could be going on, okay? That's kind of the train of thought and where it it, it makes me lead. I'm led to believe that maybe Arizona is is getting ready to go through kind of a rough patch. And just as I say that, they locked down another four-star recruit for their 2020 class, but that's, that's honestly beside the point right now. That team looked very distracted last night which tells me that there's something going on beyond just the name of the scandal that came to light almost a year ago. They seem disfocused. They didn't have the energy and intensity they've played with in years prior or even in games before. And they just didn't seem interested in the game, which is very rare for a Sean Miller coach team. I I can't remember the last time I saw this for such a sustained period of time. And Miller, after the game, said there's a lot wrong with Arizona. And, you know, he, how he puts on the PR puppy face. But it just made me wonder about all that really is wrong with the program. Is, it, is there disgust among the players? Is the coaching str- staff struggling to keep everything together in light of what happened? Pretty clear there was a lot going on. And it's evident by the fact that they're now on a seven-game losing streak which is their longest losing streak in 36 years. 36 years. Just let that sink in. The founders of Ralphie Report were merely kids, at best, some of them, when that happened. Most of us weren't even born. 
So this is a this is a dynasty of college basketball that appears on the brink of failure. But this, no matter what, is going to be a huge win for Colorado. And speaking to how they did it, excellent defense against Chase Jeter all night long. The team's second leading scorer, averaging 12.9 points a game. An interior post presence, who's a bully down there in the paint. Looked like they were really trying to work the ball to him inside. And he only finished the game with 10 points and 8 boards, which isn't bad, but he was 5 for 11 shooting. And he did not get to the free throw line either. He was 0 for 4 earlier in that game and miss, was missing layups. They were, they were just doing a good job getting in his head. And when Jeter can't get going, it's tough for that team to win games. That's kind of been the formula for beating Arizona. Double Jeter, make him work for every shot. And he'll make some tough ones. But if, if you minimize his ability to make those tough ones, then you have a much better shot of ultimately beating the Wildcats. This could be a preview for games to come, by the way, uh, given where these two teams sit in the standings. Colorado sits fifth in the Pac-12 right now, while Arizona sits 11th toward the bottom. But given their schedules the remainder of the way, Arizona plays Cal, some easier teams at home. They could move up. Colorado could stay put or you know, move down a spot or even move up. And there's a good chance that these teams will meet again in Las Vegas for all, for everything, with everything at stake. And Colorado was eliminated from the Pac-12 tournament last year by Arizona and did not go to even the NIT. So this, a, a, sh a grudge match, the ultimate grudge match against your ultimate rival for all the stakes could be huge for Colorado. I'm, ex I'm really excited to see how this thing plays out and if these two teams play again in a month because I think it would honestly be a great game on a neutral court. Interesting to see how that works out. There's obviously some demons in Colorado's head when they go to the McHale Center. And likewise, Arizona has struggled at the event center, at the CU event center, the past two times they've played here. Even last year when they won the Pac-12 tournament and were easily the best team in the conference. They lose to Colorado. They get upset. DeAndre Ayton, spooked by Dallas Walton. So it, this is a rivalry that follows a very similar pattern. It, it almost feels like deja vu just watching these games. But moving on now to Colorado's upcoming road trip. This is a team that's done outstanding at home. Their, their, their win streak has been primarily at home, at least three of the five games, with the nice road sweep in L.A. in the middle of it. But they're, they're, they've struggled on the road this year. They're 10-2 and two at home and only 5-6 and six on the road. It's like, for, most, for the most part, they've kind of been a different team on their home court versus on someone else's court, which is understandable. Winning on the road in college basketball is one of the hardest things to do in life. To me, it's like doing rocket science, which is something I'm not even capable of doing. So it's very difficult, and this team has struggled for good reason on the road for whatever. You know, it's, it's tough. But they have a huge two-game set coming up, which is going to be their last real road trip of the season. And I say last real road trip because when they go to the Pac-12 tournament, they play on a neutral court. 
And any tournaments beyond that, whether it be the NIT or the fingers crossed NCAA, they're going to play on a neutral court as well. So this is kind of the home stretch here on the road, so to speak. Washington State is not a very good team. They're at the bottom of the conference, but they have one of the, arguably the best player in the Pac-12 in Robert Marks, who's the leading scorer, really outstanding guard. And despite the fact that they rank second to last in the conference and have only won three games, one of which is against the Arizona Wildcats two games ago in Tucson, this is going to be a game that you can't overlook if you're Colorado. It's a must win, and you have to focus on the fundamentals, but you can't look at it as an automatic win because the Cougars have the ability to kind of sneak up on teams. Even though you blew them out of you know, a month ago, everyone's a different team than they were a month ago. All these players have matured in different ways. The, t- the dynamic in the locker room is different. The momentum swing is different. It's, it's, it's like that game almost didn't even happen. And Washington State is coming off their best game of the season against Washington. They almost beat them. So, I mean, this is, this is a huge game. You have to focus on it. You have to find ways to... Quick move quickly as Colorado has done when they've been successful. Neutralize them on the defensive end of the floor, and it's 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 going to be a huge one. It's going to be exciting. I think they're going to beat Washington State, but they can't come in with little energy and expecting just to walk in there and come away with a win no matter what. Now, when you look at Colorado's schedule, they have five games remaining: three of them at home, two of them on the road. The team they play after Washington State, Washington is the only one you look at and you say that's a loss. That's probably, if they go 4-1, and one, that's the one game they lose, realistically. And I get it. Huskies always seem to find a way to pull games out. There's a reason they're at the top of the conference. There's a reason they're a cut above everyone. I, I do believe that. They are an excellent team. Only one loss in conference play. But anybody's beatable at this time of the year. And I think that they match up very favorably against Washington. Remember, last time they, these two teams met when McKinley Wright uh, was forced out of the game with an injury. And things looked like they were going south in a heartbeat for Colorado. They stepped up and played outstanding. And they only lost by seven. And they had a very good second half, led by Deshaun Schwartz, who had 22 points. They're going to need some unlikely hero to step up on this road trip. I'll go on the record saying it. Whether it's Schwartz, whether Seward has another effort like he did last night, Shane Gatling has a game like he does against UCLA. They're going to need to find ways to get a lot of scoring and production from a bunch of different guys because that's huge. That's when this team is at their best. And if they outscoring Washington is the way to beat them in my opinion. Because Washington is an excellent defensive team, but they struggle at times on the offensive end of the floor. So if you can find ways to exploit that 2-3 zone, get to the rim, get easy buckets, out-physical them down low, take the team out, of, take the crowd out of the game at the Alaska Airlines Arena, which is one of the louder places to play in the Pac-12, you have a very good shot of coming out of there with a win because of how well you match up with them. And 
I mean, in college basketball, there's times where teams will come out flat and they won't look interested in playing and they'll have a bad game. And that's how, that's how upsets happen universally in this sport. It's an any given day type of game. So if they just go in there and play well, get a lot of guys involved, have one of these other guys beside Tyler and McKinley step up, don't lose their bearings on defense, but also are aggressive on offense, I think they have a good shot of winning that game. I, I really do. And people are going to look at it as a loss on the road. If you get out to a hot start and you take the crowd out of it and you do all those things I just mentioned, they likely win. It's not just they have a chance of winning. They likely win. The Huskies are beatable. Despite the fact that they've, they haven't been beaten many times, they've shown vulnerability in areas of their game that have almost led to losses. The veteran core of their team has been able to close out games. So you can't fall asleep at any point, even if you get out to a lead at certain junctures. But at the same time, this is a very, very winnable game for Colorado. I really do believe that, and they have, I think they have a decent shot at winning it. One of those guys who I would like to see playing a little bit more is Dalen Koontz. He was 3-for-3, three three, very efficient last night from the field. Seven points, nice three-point play at one juncture. He's done an excellent job when McKinley Wright has gone to sit out. So maybe he's someone you try to stick on the floor in uh, replacement of Deshaun Schwartz, maybe, who's been in the starting lineup the past few games. For the past while, as a matter of fact, if, as they've utilized this eight-man rotation that's include Batty, Parquet, and Dalen Koontz coming off the bench. So maybe you try, try and find ways to get him a little bit more playing time Put him out there with McKinley, see how that works, especially considering how cold Deshaun Schwartz is. I mean, the thing about Schwartz is theoretically you think that he only needs one good shot to get him going, and he's capable of playing well, and he does on the defensive end of the floor, but he just hasn't had one of those lights-out games like he did against Washington. You know the potential's there. You just, And if he's unable to do it, I think they should try to get some of their more consistent point scores in there in a guy like Koontz. And a smaller lineup isn't necessarily a bad thing either because Colorado likes to play quick and they like to get good shots from the exterior, which I believe is well-suited for a smaller lineup instead of, you know, having Batty in there with Seawirt maybe sticking in Stratling and then having Bay and Schwartz in there as well. So playing with a smaller lineup is potentially something that could work against the Huskies. In football news, it's a slow time of year on the gridiron. Is we'll, we'll, we'll have full cup coverage here on Ralphie Report as spring football picks up in a few weeks. Excited to see the guys back out on the gridiron. But one guy who had kind of a tough ending to last year was Jay McIntyre. Two concussions in three games that forced him to miss two parts of others. Had kind of a rough situation when his father was forced out of town as the head coach. Went on the record saying, well, you don't understand what this does to families, that type of thing. Obviously very disappointed about how the whole situation played out with the news getting leaked. Very stark defender of his father. Obviously had the respect of his teammates, but it seemed like some fans soured on him given the way that the situation ended. But 
He's finally landed back on his feet. He got a wide receivers coaching position, which is very difficult to get straight out of college. Most guys will get a graduate assistant job somewhere. Quality control, start on the ground level and kind of work their way up. But he got a position coach job at Division II Southeastern University in Florida. And this is really good for him because I think at this point it was good. He kind of had to medically re- retire. Having those that many concussions in that short of a span is obviously bad for the brain. Had some other injuries, got banged up a little bit and hit hard as a smaller wide receiver. But he had some really good moments for Colorado individually. Had over 1,000 yards receiving, and I think he understood the logistics of the game very well and that type of thing, the formations, where everyone fits into the puzzle. And I think he's going to be an outstanding coach given his traits and his characteristics. He was named a captain last year. He's a natural leader in many different regards, which I've heard from guys in the locker room. So I'm happy for him landing on his feet somewhere, getting a good coaching gig. I think the whole situation is very good for him. Still gets to be around football. I mean, granted, he's starting at a Division II school, but it's not just nice that he got a position and coach position. It's, it's nice that he got one so quickly, and now he's kind of set for the future. I'm, I think he's going to be one of the young rising stars in the profession before we even know it. He has all the traits that make a good coach, and I think he will ultimately be one in at the collegiate level, and who knows, maybe the NFL level. And as a buff for life and someone who contributed a lot to the team, gave it his all, I think it's only fair that we show him a amount of respect on Ralphie Report. Looking ahead just a little bit to spring ball before I wrap up, for this edition of Ralphie Report Radio. A couple things to watch. One of the things that I like is how serious this team has been since Mel Tucker's taken over. Guys have been hitting the gym hard. They've been working out. They've had kind of a more blue-collar approach, so to speak, in terms of putting in time in the weight room, trying to get better, get stronger. He's preached that they need to be the strongest team to win, and I think they've bought into that. Tucker's changed the culture, and the early dividends are excellent. Now, whether that translates into games and onto the field, I don't know. It's going to take some time to be able to tell. But I really like how the guys have responded. And after the hiatus and time off, they've been really working hard. And I'm excited to see how it works out going into spring ball. There's obviously going to be a lot of competition at all the positions. Remember, he doesn't have a predetermined depth chart the way McIntyre did, so he's bringing a lot of a lot of his new own recruits in. So it's going to be the best man plays at each position, and while that really won't be determined during spring ball, that'll be more of a fall camp type thing. I want to see how the early part of this situation plays out. Anyway, be sure to stay tuned on RalphieReport.com for all our coverage of men's hoops, football. Exciting road trip, and I'll recap that on the next edition of Ralphie Report Radio. But in the meantime, I'm Jack Stern saying, Scobuffs. Buffs.